everyone, this is Laz Jackson of Detroit Bad Boys, and on this week's episode, we're talking about your 12 and 40 Detroit Pistons. It's the week before the trade deadline, and so Ben Gulkler and I enlisted James Edwards III of The Athletic to give us the latest on Jeremy Grant Trade Watch, who the Pistons might be looking at outside of the top three in the 2022 NBA Draft, and what the plan is for this offseason. As always, we appreciate your continued support of the podcast. The best way to do that is to share, subscribe, and leave comments. Please leave comments on the discussion post on Detroit Bad Boys. That's the best way for us to have the conversation that we want to have around the podcast. In order to do that, though, you have to follow DetroitBadBoys.com, which you should be doing because it's the best place on the internet for Pistons news and analysis this season. With all that said, it's time to go to work. Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome to this week's episode of the Detroit Bad Boys podcast. I am your host, Lazarus Jackson. Pleased, as always, to be joined by my usual co-host, Ben Gulker. Ben, how's it going? Laz, doing good, man. Anxious to be uh, talking with you this morning because we're, we're joined by a pretty special guest that I'm going to go ahead and let you introduce, man. So, yeah, let's do this. Yeah, let's do this. Uh, joining us live from Minnesota at 10 o'clock in the morning because the Pistons play at 3.30, James Edwards III of The Athletic. James, how's it going? Laz, Ben, I'm doing well, guys. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm in cold-ass Minneapolis, uh, which is somehow colder than Detroit. But I, I like this city a lot. It's an underrated city. I'd, I'd recommend if anybody hasn't been here um, to, to get out here. It's a fun, it's a cool place. I want to come here in the summer. I've never been, but I'm doing well. Um, definitely, definitely curious to see how this week shakes out. Thanks for having me. No, no problem. And uh, I, I appreciate that this is your only Sunday podcast because you're not actually doing the Bunning Cardigan today. So it's like, hey, I get I get James all to myself today. This is cool. <laughs> you guys get the the ridiculous rambling that I do. It's all yours. <laughs> so uh, obviously, the first thing we want to talk to you about was you going one-on-one with Bryce Simon, a.k.a. Motor City Hoops, the next time both of you are in Detroit at the same time. Like, what's <laughs> what's the line? Can I uh, can I gamble on this? Like, what is this going to happen? Should I, should I get the, the Facebook live stream ready? <laughs> I th- well, I think, I think what we're doing, unless I misread it, I thought it was a shooting contest. If we're doing a shooting contest, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling good. If it's one-on-one, um, I'm not going to disrespect Bryce, who is six eight and played Division One basketball. That that he'll win at. But I thought we were doing a shooting contest. That I think I can hold my own at. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll. I'll talk to Bryce. We'll make sure we get that clarified. Yeah. Let's. Yeah. We definitely need to get that clarified. I need to know <laughs> if I need to start stretching now or uh, <laughs> well before time. Ben, you you want in on this? Can you can you still shoot? Uh, it's been a minute, but uh, yeah, give, give me give me fifteen minutes to warm up. I'm in. I can do this. <laughs> uh, no, obviously, we want to talk to James about the Jeremy Grant trade stuff with the trade deadline uh, four days away. Um, it does seem like things are a little bit quieter on the trade front than they were uh, even like a week ago. But at the same time, it always feels like everything kind of gets crammed uh, towards yeah. the end. And so just, you know, it is four days before, but what are you hearing on, uh, on the Jeremy Grant, uh, trade front bed, James? Yeah. Uh, without giving away too much, cause I do have a, a piece coming up. I do my like annual trade deadline guide every Monday before the draft, which is kind of like my last, what I'm hearing mm-hmm. uh, that that's up on the athletic as, as you're listening to this, but I, this is how I think it's going to play out. Um, I think it's it's pretty obvious that in comparison to a year ago when the Pistons were getting offers for Jeremy um, and they had no interest in trading him, that this year they're not as handcuffed to him. Um, so I think the door is open for a potential trade to happen. Now, with that said, um, I don't think that the Pistons are eager to, to make a trade happen. I don't, I don't think it's something that has to be done right now. And I think they're kind of just waiting to see when the dust settles, what's the best offer on the table. Is it worth doing now? Or 
Is it worth waiting till the offseason to revisit? Um, I think uh, for the Pistons' sake, when it comes to the deadline, and, and specifically Jeremy, I think it's going to be a lot of like, let's just wait and see what happens. Let's see what's in front of us, what's official, what's real. Does it make sense for us to do it now? Because as you guys know, they don't have to do it now. Um, I know I know, fans are love trade, trade stuff and it wanted to happen as soon as possible, but um, I don't think keeping Jeremy around through the season is going to mess up the draft positioning. I don't, uh, and I think the draft positioning is right now of the utmost importance. And I mean, as you guys know, uh, as two guys who, who follow the draft, and I know Laz, you do um, very, you, you follow the prospects pretty closely. Um, the Pistons, there's a good possibility they land in a spot where they end up with one of the power forwards. So, um, I, I think it's kind of just a wait and see game. I, I think there are some teams that are interested. I'll, I'll spoil the piece with a few. I know, obviously, you guys have heard about Washington and the Kings. Um, I think Brooklyn has poked around, but I don't think it's. Um, I, I don't. They obviously have a bigger. A fish lot going on right now. Yeah, <laughs> um, and then and then I think Portland is still in the running too. So, hmm. um, interesting. It, it, you never know. I th- people just have conversations, but those are just some of the teams I've I've heard, and I know those some of those names have been out there already. Uh, okay, so staying on the topic of Jeremy Grant, um, well, I guess staying on the topic of trades, I guess if the Pistons don't make any trades. Mm-hmm. Uh, James, do you see the Pistons sort of taking a approach with Jeremy Grant like they did last season, which is kind of resting him down the stretch? Um, you know, keeping him healthy and all that kind of stuff. That's what they did a year ago to really secure the the draft prospects. Do you see something like that happen again this season if they don't make any significant trades? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I would say I would say no, unless an an injury, a different injury, pops up. Like it's obviously clear that his hand is healed, um, so you can't really kind of rely on on, on fall back on that one. Um, I'm trying to remember what. Last year, what was it like a hip or a knee or something? Yeah, I think it was like a, a knee. knee. Okay, yeah, I mean it's possible if there is some more nagging stuff. Which I mean, as the season winds down, all players deal with nagging stuff. I think it's possible, um, but I also don't think. Yeah, it's a great question. I don't know. Uh, I ask me that after the deadline. That'll be I mean, that one's tough to to answer because clearly um, there's benefit to both sides uh, you can put him on ice and get to the offseason and he's healthy or um, maybe he he shows some things that people want to see um, in the final stretch and it increases his value I mean I think most people know what Jeremy is at this point but um, yeah you just never know it, that's a good question so we got like a report from Mark Stein that mm-hmm. there's a little bit of a I don't want to say like a split but the the there were different uh like leaders of the pistons who were uh kind of split on the necessity of trading Jer- uh, jeremy right now yeah uh you know Arn Tellum was on the side who was like on the business side and not technically part of the basketball operations but he's Arn Tellum, so you listen to him <laughs> when he talks yeah. uh wanted was thinking it was maybe a little bit more uh more open to trading jeremy right now and obviously uh, troy weaver coming down on the side of like maybe it's not as necessary uh or is that like something you had also heard? Is that is that uh is that something that you can corroborate? And should that give Pistons fans like pause that there's like too many cooks in the kitchen? I guess. Yeah, good question. Um, I'll say this. I think, and it's a good thing for the for the Pistons because, as you guys know, one of the issues with them and, and them being the the organization over the last few years is the kind of the lack of options, the lack of flexibility, the inability to do a bunch of different things. Um, now, believe it or not, the Pistons have the flexibility to go multiple routes. And whether that's trade Jeremy now, trade Jeremy in the offseason, um, use the use the pick this year to um, obviously add another top five piece, to use the cap space this year or wait next year, rebuild one more year. Um, make a trade instead of signing a guy to the, with the cap space. Like there's, there's options. And with options, obviously there comes discussions. And I mean, it's pretty with, with all those options on the table, I think if 
us three had a, we're all doing a podcast and we're trying to figure out how it's supposed to go. I think we would all have different opinions on how we should go about it. Like, I don't necessarily think it's a, uh, like a, a power struggle. I don't think it's a, a bad thing. I think it's just conversations amongst the people who are decision makers in the front office, um, all looking at all the options and, um, have the options laid out in front of them. And one person might think this is the better idea. And one person might think that's the better idea. Obviously Jeremy and Troy have a great relationship. So you could understand why uh, Troy might want to wait, whether that's to keep Jeremy, whether that's to get something, he thinks there's something better down the line, whether that's to find a place that um, Jeremy would be happy with going to, or you, you just never know. I don't, I don't, I don't get the sense that there's a, a a power struggle. I think I think it's Troy's show to run, uh, but I definitely think he, at doing his due diligence, takes the opinion of of the people around him. And yeah, I think it's it's pretty natural when you have options on the table to not always um, agree on on which option is the best one to take. But yeah, I don't I don't necessarily think it's a it's a bad thing. Okay. So all the way on the other side of like the, the spectrum of trading Jeremy Grant is is giving Jeremy Grant the the hundred million dollar extension he is uh, apparently seeking. What do you think the possibility of the Pistons offering him that is? I would be surprised, um, just simply because I think I mean I, I've been I've been writing this a lot lately, and it, I, I have a part of it in the in the piece that's out. Um, it is the Pistons, the draft is of the utmost importance. And if the Pistons land a top three pick, it's very likely that they end up with another front court player. And then if you just kind of look at it, like, does it make sense to extend Jeremy when you have a Jabari, when you have a Paolo, when you have a, when you have a Chet and an Isaiah Stewart, um, does it, does that make sense? Um, so I think that's where, when people hear about, is it worth waiting? Uh, when we talk about that with regards to the Pistons, that's why, uh, because that would dictate if they end up with fifth or sixth, and it's Ben Math or Jaden Ivey, well, then it makes maybe a little bit more sense to keep um, Jeremy hanging around. You know what I mean? So I think there's, I don't think it's out of the cards. Uh, Jeremy likes Detroit. The front office likes Jeremy, but I think the draft, as we've learned for the last year and a half. Um, is really what's dictating where Detroit goes from here for the next year, year and a half, two years. Okay. That makes sense. And I, I definitely see the, the utility of that a hundred percent. It would be, you, you don't want to, uh, you don't want to like take for granted that you get a top three pick and end up with a big, and then end up with like a roster, uh, imbalance. Right. But, uh, at the same time, like you are the second worst team in the league, for sure, so it, it it makes sense to to at least consider that uh, as a possibility. All right, that's this twelve minutes on Jeremy Grant. I think that's good. <laughs> I think we can move uh, off of Jeremy Grant and obviously to the next most important important person on the Pistons. That's Frank Jackson. Uh, yes. James, you got into people with uh, with Frank Jackson's value. Uh, this past week, I did not. Ex- I honestly did not expect all like expect all that. I, it was that was crazy. I was just having. I was just curious, and like, and then you had the piece, right? The piece came out, and it was like, oh, okay, this this makes sense. What what kind of value do you think Frank has to like this team in particular? Uh, it does seem like he's really uh, leaned on by the coaching staff in a way that um, he probably wouldn't be other places. Yeah, no, good question. I think. Well, first and foremost, um, I think Frank is a guy that all the players love, uh, just very upbeat, very positive guy. Um, I think he addresses a pretty big void in the Pistons roster, which is um, the ability to create your own shot. I know people, when they think of Frank, they they think of the nights he has great three-point shooting performances, but he's actually better inside the arc this year. Um, one of the best guards in the NBA at finishing um, inside the arc. Uh, and as you guys know, who who like me, or you guys are a little more tortured because you don't have to watch the Pistons every day, but you do. 
Um, <laughs> as you guys know, he um, is very much a guy who can get hot quick, and the Pistons don't have that really that type of guy. And I think when people think, and I asked Dwayne this, I think last week or two weeks ago, um, when when fans and and people think about the future, they they think about these players and like, is he a starter for me? What is his? Can he reach his potential as a starter? Where's he start? 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 But I I think people forget that like very few players when you bring in young pieces end up being stars. Like that's why it was so obviously important to get Kate Cunningham because the majority of these guys end up being very good role players, which is you look around the league, usually have one or two stars and a bunch of really good role players. Those are the best teams in the league. Um, And I think Frank has the potential to be a spark plug off the bench for many years. He's comfortable in Detroit. Um, Eventually at some point, Detroit is going to need to get a guy like Frank Jackson, if it's not Frank Jackson. Um, So why not kind of keep this guy around who you unlocked who you kind of unearthed, like people knew Frank, five-star recruit, all that, but he struggled in New Orleans, uh, was waived by the Thunder. I think it's kind of a, he's, he's, it's not talked about enough. Like, obviously we talk about the Sadiqs, um, the Isaiahs, and even more of the Hamadus to an extent in terms of guys that look what Weaver can do, but Frank Jackson, man, like that's, that's as good of a poster boy as there is. A guy, second round pick, um, a little bit undersized for a guard, was really struggling to find his way in the league, and here he is with the possibilities of putting up 25 points every other night. So I think that's good from a, a franchise standpoint. Like, hey, we found this guy. We recognized his talent. We developed him into a legitimate role player in the NBA. Um, and I think that's that's important. I think those optics are important. I think having a guy who wants to be in Detroit, who likes his teammates, is important. Um, and people forget Frank's only 23. He's only like a year younger than Sadiq. So, or a year older than Sadiq. So, um, I, I don't know. I, is a late first too much for Frank? It possibly could be for sure. But if I'm Detroit and somebody says, Hey, do you want the 28th pick? And you give us Frank, I, I lean toward no, because at the end of the day, you, you're hoping the 28th pick is Frank. So why not get a guy that that's already in house? And like I said, optimizes, uh, the talent talent evaluation um, of of the organization. Yeah, I love that. I'm a big Frank Jackson fan. I appreciate all those comments, especially uh, pointing out his youth. Right? I mean, he's yeah. still super young. He's not a finished product yet. So, absolutely not at all. And and people talk about well, he's an undersized guard. It's like, well, that, that uh, he's been fine scoring inside the paint, where usually height uh, is your biggest deterrent. So. I don't know, man. He's got a lot of he's got a, a, a great balance of wiggle and athleticism. Um, does he project as a long term starter? Probably not. No, but like, as you guys know, you need those. I mean, for lack of a better comparison, those Lou Will types, those Jamal Crawford types. He obviously doesn't have the the wiggle that they have, but you need those guys that can come in and change a game. And as you guys have seen, especially over the last week and a half, Frank can do that no problem. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so we had a couple games this week with no Cade Cunningham. And I think what studs out uh, to me and Laz is how unwatchable this team can get at times without <laughs> Cade. Obviously, still a rookie, still super young. But he seems like he's really the determining factor on whether this team is fun to watch or not at times. I don't know. what What's your take on that, um, James? What do you think about that comment? Yeah, no, that's, I, I do find that funny because... I think, in a way, like Pistons fans are spoiled because Cade wasn't there last year, and I would say a lot of people had fun watching the Pistons, even though they didn't win as much. Um, But also, I understand that a few more games were close. Um, I mean, technically, they're still on pace to win as many games as they did last year, despite the the bigger blowouts and stuff like that. Um, I, I enjoy watching Cade as somebody who gets to cover him every day and, um, Obviously, you want to see some good basketball if you're going to sit through all that losing um, and tough nights. But I, so I, I mean, I can understand why fans say that, but I don't know. I, I also enjoy watching the development of Sadiq. I, I, I know fans are really starting to turn on Isaiah, but I like I enjoy watching how hard he plays every night. Like that's still 
entertaining to me. Um, I like watching Frank get hot on those every other night occasions. Like I understand why, why fans might not want to tune in as much when Cade's not playing. Cause I mean, he's the number one pick. He's, he's, he's Cade Cunningham and this organization hasn't had a guy as heralded um, out of the draft in obviously 50 something years. So I get that, but I also, there are, I also think they're unwatchable sometimes when K does play. So, you know what I mean? Like it's not his fault. It's just, they're just not a very good team right now. So I think for the most part, people just are invested in K and they know like the success of the, the franchise moving forward in, in a way really kind of hinges on, on his development and what he turns into. No, that's fair. What I mean, like with that in mind, I know he was listed as questionable on the injury report. Um, do you think the hit pointer is going to be when I say a long-term issue, I don't mean like it's going to dog him the rest of his career. I mean, like, is he going to play in February? Yeah, that's a good question. I think so. Um, Dwayne, I know people are like, well, he always says this. He, he didn't seem concerned. He does Um, always say that. Yeah, he does. He does. He does always say that that's fair. But I would also say people think that he legitimately just says that he 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 truly lets the medical staff dictate all of that um and he gets information related to him and he relays it to us when he's asked um i think the medical people it very much is a collaborative effort if if them and Cade and his people don't think it is uh let's let's let Cade say it a little bit let's let him rest a little bit i think that's that's what they'll do now with that said i wouldn't be surprised if you played today in Minneapolis, but I definitely, if it's not as serious as they're, they're not making it sound serious. And I, and I tend to believe him. Cade was walking on his own. He was doing the bike. Uh, Dwayne said, he's going to wear like those, uh, some players wear them like padding on their, like, uh, like kind of buttocks hip region. Um, he said, he's going to start wearing that. He's going to be the Pistons play in Dallas on Tuesday. Cade's from Dallas. It'll be his first time in Dallas as a pro. I'd be surprised if, again, it is not serious. I would be surprised if he misses the Dallas game. And that's just that's not me reporting anything. That's just mm-hmm. surveying the, uh, the the information given to me and kind of anticipating what's ahead um, in regards to him entering uh, his hometown uh, for the first time in his career on Tuesday. Yeah, that is a that is a useful bit of line drawing. I had forgotten. Well, I didn't forget that he was from Texas, but like I hadn't made that connection. So like, yeah, that makes a that makes a and, ton of sense. And he's from yeah, and from Dallas too. So he'll have a lot of people. I'm sure there is. I think his family lives there um, full time. So yeah. All right, that's cool. So you something you've like hinted at throughout, like even as uh, far back as like last year, but uh, really continuing uh this season is that the team like doesn't want to be they don't want to be like a 12 win team this time next season right yeah. they, they want to be better than they are right now next season mm-hmm. um but most of the most of the like big name free agents that they could obtain with the like mound of cap space they're going to have after blake griffin's dead money comes off the books mm-hmm. are going to be restricted guys right like DeAndre Ayton, Miles Bridges, Colin Sexton, like even like a guy like Anthony Simons is going to be more expensive on the restricted free agent market than I think uh, he was thought at the beginning of the year. Yeah. So if if they're not if because of the way restricted free agency works, the Pistons aren't able to to kind of get any of those targets. Do you think they still you know pursue the goal of uh, still trying to be better than they are right now uh, without like some of that young talent? Yeah. Um, I'll say this. I know. Well, I'll say a few things. Um, I think that there are people in the organization who wouldn't mind another rebuilding year um, just to acquire, again, possibly another top pick and then mm-hmm. go into 2023, which is I mean, going to be one of the better free agency classes in quite some time with a ton of cap space, which if they elected to go that route, I totally understand. Um, as somebody who has observed the Pistons be impatient for close to a decade, 
I would almost commend the patience that they're showing this time around. I know fans might not be able to stomach that. Um, obviously, my uh, perspective on the situation and my job is, is different than um, the entertainment aspect of it. So if they elected to rebuild one more year and then try to bring in free agents in 2023, I think that actually makes a lot of sense. Uh, but I think there are also a good amount of people who do want to like push for the play in next year. And what I would say that means is like you said, Laz, like there are restricted guys. Um, so it would be, it's not a given that you're going to get some of these guys, even if you have the most cap space. Um, I would say also that with that in mind, I think they wouldn't be upset if whatever group that they have next year pushes for the play in and they end up with the ninth pick or something like that. Like if it's the young guys and maybe a free agent or two and that ends up winning 31 plus games, I don't, I don't think they're mad at that. I don't think they're going to be actively sitting guys down to try to get a top five pick again, I guess is what I mean with that. Um, I, I, I think they're ready to see progress from the young guys. And if those guys can, can carry them to sniffing the play in. I, I don't think that would be a problem. Uh, but there are names to to keep an eye on. I think Jalen Brunson is somebody who could be of interest to Detroit. Um, obviously a a versatile guard who can really score the ball. It's a, a bulldog fits the um, kind of the personality of the guys that the, the Pistons are trying to bring in. Another Villanova guy. Um, there's a connection there. Um, he's from Philadelphia, PA. He's from Pennsylvania. I don't know about Philly, but he's from Pennsylvania. Um, I, I think Arn Tellum might have represented his dad, um, if I'm not mistaken. But if not, both are from Pennsylvania, so they, there's probably a connection there. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, so I think there are guys they could go after. Um, I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that they – I know fans' fans' dreams is throw them bag at Miles Bridges. I don't think that's a foregone conclusion that something like that will happen. But you also have to consider that if they hold on to their cap space and take a good chunk of it into the season, you, you, trades could pop up or they could do a trade in the offseason with that cap space. So, again, it's good to have options. Uh, Pistons have not had very many options over the last decade or so. So um, there's there's many avenues they could walk down to try to to improve the team. Ben, what do you think of the, I guess, the push-pull between trying to be a, a play-in team semi-organically next year versus uh, one more year of tanking? Well, I mean, kudos to James for saying the, the thing that I've been feeling as well, which is, you know, the Pistons have not been patient and done a, a real rebuild for so long, right? I mean, this really started going all the way back to, you know, trading Chauncey Billups. We've been in fits and starts of retooling versus not fully rebuilding for so long that I I do applaud the patience. Um, I mean, I'm also a fan, so I get bored and frustrated with the losing. You know, this week was particularly frustrating with only one, you know, one win and then Cade going down with an injury. So, you know, in my head, I completely understand and agree with being patient. I think, you know, that the trick is game to game, week to week, the grind of being a Pistons fan for the last decade plus, you know, that gets hard as well. Um, you know, as I said this a couple of weeks ago on the pod, right? Like um, this was before Cade went down with an injury, but like, I, I don't think you should try to lose this year. I think you mm-hmm. just play your best players and as the word you used is perfect, organically, if that leads to wins, then I think you take that because that means you have internal development that's happening maybe a little bit ahead of schedule. And I, I think I would probably do the same thing next year, right? I mean, if everybody's healthy, you play your best guys and you get them experience winning basketball games. That matters, right? I mean, um, you know, look historically, how many NBA champions – um, win the championship the first year they make the playoffs, right? That's just, that's not a thing that happens. And how many teams who make the playoffs make it to the the Eastern Conference or Western Conference finals the first time around? It just doesn't happen that much. And I think the same is true for young teams who are trying to reach the playoffs, right? You don't always, you don't always make it 
uh, you know, you don't always make the jump from 25 wins to 41 wins in one season, right? It's incremental progress year over year, season after season. Um, so yeah, I'm a fan of that. You, you, you do the best you can in the draft. If you hit big in free agency, that's awesome. But if you don't, I mean, I agree. Just, just play your best guys, push for the play in. And if you don't make it, at least you have the experience of these young players, um, having a real chance of getting after it and going for it like that. Yeah. And I think we're seeing in Atlanta too, like the, the perils mm-hmm. of trying to, uh, inorganically uh, advance the state of your team. Like obviously they made the conference finals uh, last year and I think their first time in the playoffs uh, since they drafted Trey, but uh, they've had some chemistry issues. They obviously like had to make a trade already this, uh, this season to resolve some of that. They are a very expensive team and it doesn't look like uh, it doesn't look like they're a championship contender despite being as uh, expensive as they are. And it's not going to get, much easier for them to get clean books so yeah it's the organic process is or like doing it organically is absolutely paramount uh you're right ben um to that end james yes uh we know the pistons like uh any of the top three guys or we don't know that for sure but i feel pretty confident in saying that they like any of the top three guys yes uh who were if you if you if you know and if you're willing to divulge uh if they were to win a couple more games or you know get some bad luck in the lottery who are some of the guys that the pistons are thinking about uh, outside of uh those top 3 yeah i think the two names that come to come to mind for me are, are arizona's ben math um and uh wisconsin's johnny davis i think those two um are right there behind the the top 3 and last uh, to my knowledge, they do very much like uh, the top three guys. Um, I think they're still sorting out the order in which they like them. Uh, but I, they, I, I think they are in lockstep that if they, if they pick third, whatever of those three big guys is left over, I think that's that's who they go with. Uh, but if they end up with four, five, six, I think you could see a combination of uh, Ivy. Um, ben Math or uh, Johnny Davis from Wisconsin. Yeah, I, I really need to do more Johnny Davis research. Apparently, I I see like Wisconsin guard, and my brain just turns off. <laughs> yeah, I started going down the. <laughs> that's hilarious. It it takes you back to uh, Jordan Taylor days. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Good old Johnny. Good old Jordan Taylor. I, and there's a bunch of other guards I can't think of from. Those those grand Michigan State early 2010s uh, matchups with the Badgers, but yeah, I think I, I've been going down the rabbit hole with Johnny Davis. Uh, I think he has a little. I think or let me start with Ben Math, um, who I really like, uh, and I'm going to say this in a good way, but I could understand how people are like, "Ew." He reminds me a little bit of KCP in college. Uh, I think he's more athletic than KCP. I think he's a probably better natural shooter, but it's their games are very line drive. It's not mm-hmm. there's not much wiggle to their games, and of course, guys might be able to add that. But naturally, he's just point A to point B, um, and that could be a good thing. It, it could hurt him at the next level, but uh, he's very point A to point B. Usually, only takes like two or three dribbles before making a decision. There's not a lot of maneuvering, and again, wiggle with the ball. Uh, but I really like Ben Math. I think they really could use a, um, a a guy of that athletic ilk who combines it with shooting. Um, I think he's a he's a dog that gets after it. Um, and then Johnny Davis, a little bit more wiggle, not as explosive of an athlete, good size. Um, I like him. I, I I've liked him more now that I've like dug in and and started watching some film instead of catching Wisconsin randomly here and there. Um, I, I could see the intrigue there. Uh, but I, I do think that if the big three are gone, uh, they go, they go guard wing um, as opposed to trying to address the, uh, as you like to call it last, the jumpy jump front court guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You can, you can find jumpy jump front, uh, front court guys outside of the, uh, the top five. For sure. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm not mad about that. Uh, yeah. I, I'm going to say KCP is also the guy that I, I think of a little bit when I see Ben math. Uh, 
Yeah. And uh, we were talking about this actually on Detroit Bad Boys on like one of the fan posts earlier this week. And I'm going to say this, the same thing I said there. It's like KCP was the third best guy on a championship team. Like, yeah. Yes. Like, the other two guys were LeBron James and Anthony Davis, but facts. still that counts for something. No facts. And it's like, I know Pistons fans are uh, hot and cold on KCP, but like you look up KCP's been an NBA starter for, for quite some time now. It's not bad to have guys like that. And I, I mean, and I think Ben math has, he kind of just exploded onto the scene lately. So it's like, you just never know what else he could go into. He has two things that are coveted, which is in one of them you can't teach, which is that explosiveness. And then obviously the shooting um, appears to be pretty legitimate. Man, KCP, that's a blast from the past. (laughs) (laughs) All right, James. So there was this stint in December where it felt like the entire league had COVID and fans were wondering if they were going to pause the season. You know, as someone who covers the NBA and the Pistons professionally, what was that experience like working through, you know, that entire COVID outbreak and, and, and all that stuff? Yeah, good question. Um, it definitely wasn't as scary as the initial COVID wave in March of 2022 when we all had no idea what the hell this was. Um, at that, by the point of December, I, I had been double vaxxed and boosted. So, um, like, I wasn't really worried. And credit to the Pistons, we didn't do in-person access uh, from about just before Christmas until when did we go out to Golden State? Uh, was that the second week of January? Whenever, so from the like the week before Christmas to the West Coast trip, the most recent one, there was no in-person access. So the Golden State start game the practice before then was the return of in-person access so by then everybody had come back there was no COVID everybody who had COVID was back uh aside from Jeremy and Kelly who weren't around the team anyway because of the injuries um so it wasn't it wasn't too bad uh just because I mean we spent all of last year covering the team from home what is another two weeks um and like I said as soon as everybody got out of COVID protocols they returned to in-person um, yeah, I mean, I guess there was a little bit of a scare, like traveling, um, with COVID really and the Omicron, Omicron variant, uh, just being on planes and stuff was a little nerve wracking, but I have no issue wearing my mask still. Like I, I don't leave anywhere with it. It doesn't bother me. I go into stores wearing the mask. Like I don't, even if it's not required, like I just, it doesn't bother me enough to not wear it. I'd rather be safe. So um, it, it wasn't too bad. Um, it, it's, it certainly is not ideal. Like, obviously, as you guys know, like the whole roster was turned over uh, during the COVID year. So, I mean, obviously traveling and covering this team is super important, but it's even more so important this year because, I mean, there are times where I'm on the road where I might not even write that day, but it's just important to go like continue to build relationships with these guys because we just weren't around them their their first year. Um, so, um, it was good that we got a lot of in-person access leading up to the COVID outbreak. And then, uh, credit to the Pistons. As soon as everybody got out of protocols, they, they resumed in-person access. And I know there are some teams around the league who are, um, who are not doing in-person access, uh, after they had outbreaks. So, uh, kudos to the Pistons, uh, for that. So it's, 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 it was definitely not fun, but it definitely, um, wasn't, as scary as the initial outbreak in 2020, of course. Uh, that makes that makes a ton of sense. That was a, that was a weird time to just like watch the team. It was a weird time to watch the league with just <laughs> yeah. It was it was not different. fun. It was it was credit to the Motor City Cruise guys who who gave it their all and uh, even pulled out a win or two, if I recall. Uh, I know they beat the Spurs at home. I think there might have been one more, but um, yeah. I mean, it was it was tough to watch. And you know what? People were giving the league crap. I, th- I want to give the league kind of uh, some credit. They kind of took the approach, obviously doing the research, like, okay, this variant is – everybody's getting it. It's very uh, – it's uh, – what's the word? Not contact. Uh, contagious. It's very contagious. Um, but it's not it, – it doesn't appear to be super crippling. Um, let's just go through this, keep pushing – 
once everybody gets it, uh, the teams will be back to normal. It'll be a weird basketball period for two weeks, but it's better than stopping and pausing. And who knows when you come back and you have to rework arenas, scheduling and stuff like that. So it might've been bad basketball for two weeks, but it worked out for the league because I mean, when's the last time we've really had a, we've heard about somebody catching COVID um, especially players uh, since kind of the outbreak died down. Yeah. I think, the, the thing I started to notice afterwards was, uh, like, the players didn't get it as much, but you started to see more coaches kind yeah. of fall in and out. Yep. Like that, that's a little bit, uh, uh, you know, you wonder if that's just, like, a ripple effect. But it's also far fewer coaches for sure uh, than, uh, than players, uh, absolutely. Um, I, uh, James, the last thing I wanted to ask you about was Kelly Olenek. Kelly Olenek, since re- his return from injury and then a, a second round of COVID, I think has not uh, looked quite right to no, me. Uh, I'm with you, where do you where do you think he's at? Like with his like re- rehab and recovery. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I just don't think he's moving well. Um, <clears throat> to, and to be fair, Kelly doesn't look like he's moving well when he is healthy. He, that's just <laughs> that's just how he is. Uh, but you can definitely tell that he's still working his way back. And I would also he's had a weird year. And it's kind of yeah. hard to blame him because played the first 10 games, got hurt, came back, had COVID, uh, or came back from the injury, then got COVID. I, he hasn't really looked – he's had moments here and there, but he hasn't really looked good this year. Like, he's not shooting the three ball well. Uh, he, he didn't do that. He didn't shoot it well before he got injured. Again, only 10 games. And uh, if we were uh, – making assumptions on guys through the first 10 games of this season, it would be pretty bad. If you look at how bad Frank and Sadiq started um, and obviously they've turned it around, but Kelly just, yeah, he doesn't look right. I didn't realize he didn't shoot the ball as much as you would think he should. There's a lot of pump faking, Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of trying to draw defenders into him instead of just letting it fly. I, I don't know if it's like him trying to find his rhythm and feeling uncomfortable, but he just doesn't look like he has any rhythm on the floor right now. No, absolutely. And uh, I know he's a big – they rely on him a lot. He's a big part of the rotation. And so to have him uh, not be playing up to the level that I'm sure he expects like out of himself uh, has been kind of a, a tough experience. Yeah, it's 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 definitely – it does it hasn't gone well. And it's yeah. part of it is not his fault. Um, a good part of it is not his fault, but – at the end of the day, I mean, he is, what, 31, 32, um, has played a lot of basketball. It's not crazy to think that, like, maybe he's just breaking down a little bit. Yeah. It's also crazy to think he just, like, might need, like, another, like, week or two to get his legs underneath him. That, too. Yep, for sure. Yeah, I don't think this is – I don't think the Kelly Olenek we've seen the last week is Kelly Olenek we'll see forever, but um, it's certainly – I mean, yeah, you, you question whether or not he just needs to find his rhythm or if he's, uh, yeah, or if he's breaking down a little bit. I would say it's probably the former, just needs to find his rhythm. But, um, yeah, time will tell. Yeah. All right, Ben, that's everything I wanted to ask, James. Did you have anything in the in the course of discussion that you're like, oh, actually, like we need to talk to James about this? Mm-hmm. No, James, I appreciate talking with me, and I could talk to you for a long time. <laughs> I appreciate um everything you contribute to the community you're you're a great follow on twitter of course but even better on the athletic if any of our listeners are somehow not yet subscribed you will absolutely get yours money's worth um if the only thing you read is, is james stuff he's a fantastic writer we're very fortunate to have him and uh the other the other great beat writers we have following the pistons as well so thanks so much for coming on man we really appreciate it Hey, I really appreciate that, man. Um, that means a lot, especially coming from you too. I, I'm not just saying this because I'm on your podcast, but I do not listen to very many Pistons podcasts outside of hell. I don't even listen to my own after it's done. <laughs> uh, but I listen to you guys. You guys do a great job. Um, you guys are two very, um, I hate using the word intelligent, but very <laughs> rational fans. Um, you, I enjoy the dialogue with you guys. Um, you guys know what you're talking about. You guys are, are, are a great partnership on this show. And like I said, I, I legitimately listen to you guys every week wow, uh, just to you. see if what, what people are talking about. You guys make points I might have missed. And 
can dig on further. You guys are just a really good listen and, and follow too. So I appreciate you having me on. And um, as you guys know, anytime you need me, I'm, I'm just a, a call away or a DM away. Thank you, James. I, I, I appreciate that. That means, that means a lot to me. And uh, I don't want to speak for Ben, but I know that uh, that means a lot to him as well. Yeah. Cosign completely. Really appreciate that. Yeah. All right, Ben, you're not getting out of this. What's your, <laughs> what's your one positive thing this week? Oh, man, it was a rough week. There were a few things, though, that jumped out at me. I was going to say, yeah, it's like, this is a bad week, so yeah. I'm very curious to see what he has to say. Kind of a rough week. So I got to give honorable mention to Frank Jackson for shaving the mustache. I think he looks a million times better. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he played good, too, right? Like, so I don't know. Maybe there's there's there there. But, I mean, I think I got to go with the obvious. We have to go with Cade Cunningham's second half, half performance against Cleveland. Um, man, what a what a fun game that was. Um was that this week, Laz? Did we talk about that last week? No. That yeah, was this, that it was feels this like that happened like three weeks that ago. That was this week, right? Yeah. It was okay. Sunday. Yeah, last Yeah, Sunday. Sunday after we recorded. That's right. That's right. Yeah. 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 I mean, wow. What a fantastic performance in the second half after just struggling mightily in the first half, right? Turns it into a triple-double. Uh, Pistons win a game. He gets the he gets the bragging rights over Mobley, who has been, you know, Laz, the other guy that both of us kind of liked and has been playing really well all season. So, yeah, Cade Cunningham stepped up, led the team to very enjoyable win and, you know, continues. You know, his consistency is still the thing I think that he's going to keep working on over time. But, man, those are the performances that make all of us um, incredibly excited about the future and, and incredibly optimistic about what Cade Cunningham uh, will be able to do. Thinking he's only 20 years old, whew, five years from now, I mean, we, we could be having a really good time, Laz. That's what I'm hoping for. Man, if 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 we're still doing this podcast for a decade and like with teams finally good, I'm not going to act right. It's going to be great. <laughs> we'll have uh, we'll have um, our, our sons will be joining us by then. I think. Right? Oh yeah, definitely. Chance and yeah. Rowan will be <laughs> co-hosting it by then. <laughs> All right, Ben. Uh, so the Pistons play Minnesota today. They fly to Dallas on uh, Tuesday. They play Dallas on Tuesday. And they play Memphis at home on Thursday. And then they play the Hornets uh, at home on Friday on the back-to-back. Per Cade's trainer on Twitter, everyone needs to go to that Hornets game and hype up Miles Bridges and let him know how much we love him <laughs> so that uh, he comes to Detroit in the offseason. But uh, do you see uh, how do you see the, the wins shaking out this week, Ben? Man, with no Cade, I think that's a tall order. Um, I'm Actually, though, I'm looking forward to watching Dallas and Memphis, you know, teams I don't normally watch except for the highlights. Memphis in particular, you know, lot, lots of fun to watch this year. Um, yeah, I, I don't love our chances, though. I, I got to be honest. It doesn't feel like doesn't feel like there's a lot of winnable games in the foreseeable future if, if Cade Cunningham's not playing. I'm I'm very much hoping that that Charlotte game will be like the Cleveland game where uh, it's like, oh, hey, like the the game that everybody actually plays well. And, and we sneak that one. Mm-hmm. It'd be nice to not have the 20 game losing streak or whatever. Oh, we have to Charlotte yeah. continue. Uh, all right, James, we are going to get you out of here. But first, I'm going to get you in a little bit of trouble. Who you got in the Super Bowl? Uh, Joey Badass or Matthew Mid? <laughs> <laughs> Matthew Mid. That's hilarious. <clears throat> oh, I'm going Joey Burrow, baby. All day. Um, I kind of grew up a closeted Bengals fan. I loved Ocho Cinco. I loved, if people remember, Rudy Johnson. Um, I was a big Rudy Johnson fan for some reason. Like, when my, my peak Madden days, the Bengals were my squad. Uh, <laughs> TJ, who's your mama? Uh, <laughs> Peter Warwick, if you want to go even further back. Yeah. Um, I like the Bengals. And Joe Burrow is just cool. Anybody who says they're too rich for fake jewelry is good my is good in my book. <laughs> and I I made a lot of sweeping conclusions on Matthew Stafford. So I need I need him not to win a title. I'm I'm that guy. I'm a hater. Yeah, you need to be validated. Ben, who you got in the Super Bowl? Uh I got the commercials, man. That that's what I got. <laughs> and the halftime show. That's gonna that's actually be cool. That's true. No, I mean I, I think uh you know I'm not a huge NFL guy, but I it has been interesting to watch um, not so much Matthew Stafford, but the fans who follow Matthew Stafford. I think that's been really interesting. Um, interesting is a good word. I thought you yeah, said fun. It's, yeah, it's been interesting. So, <laughs> yeah, I don't really care who wins, but, uh, you know, it's always a fun experience. I am just more shocked than anything that the Bengals are in the Super Bowl. Really? Yeah. And uh, and so I, I, 
I find myself kind of gravitated towards that just because you've got this like plucky underdog ish team that has never been good versus this like collection of dudes who have been all pros in the past who were built uh, to get to this moment. Right. And so it's a, it'll be a, I like, I like that dichotomy. I like the Bengals, but yes, a lot of Matthew Stafford love in Detroit, which uh, surprised me to to say the least. All right, James, I think you escaped that without getting in too much trouble. So you're good. (laughs) And I mean, I've, I've done enough of my, my Stafford hate. Like I, he was brought in to get to the Super Bowl. He got to the Super Bowl. I'll eat my words. Uh, but best believe, if they had lost either first game or second game, I was getting those tweets off. I, oh, I was. So sure. now that I can't, I will. Congratulations to Stafford. Uh, congrats to the fans who uh, were so so adamant that no matter where he went, he would he would be good. Um, I, I can't even say that. As much as I want to say that I, I still don't believe in that, he, he did it. He had a good performance, so I'm going to shut up and eat my words. There you go. All right, James. Thank you again so much for coming on. Uh, we course. truly appreciate it. Uh, let the people know where they can find you, where they can find what you're working on uh, prior to the trade deadline. Is the uh, Athletic running any sales right now? Or uh, That's a good question. I'm sure, there's, I'm sure there's a sale somewhere to be found, uh, whether it's on the Athletic site or – I actually haven't even checked out the New York Times site to see if we're like on there now. Uh, that could be coming soon. Uh, but yeah, I'm on Twitter at JL Edwards III um, Athletic. If you're not listening or if you're not following um, under the Pistons tab at the Athletic, uh, I co-host a Bun and Cardigan show with Nicholas Henkel. We drop every Monday except this Monday because we're just going to wait till after the deadline. And I'm on the road. And um, if you're listening to this on Monday. My piece, uh, my final Pistons uh, trade deadline guide is up where I, I put together every the final things of what I'm hearing regarding the team, um, kind of put everything into tiers, players into tiers of who I think is most likely to get traded, who's not likely to get traded. And then I have two or three trades that I, I haven't heard would happen, but trades that I look around the league and I like. Uh, so it's kind of a package of, of everything you would want to see at the deadline. So check that out at The Athletic on Monday. I, I can't wait to read that uh, to Chance uh, in the morning. <laughs> but, Daddy, why are they trading Corey? <laughs> ben, uh, let the people know where they can find you, where they can find uh, what you've been working on this week. At BR Galker on Twitter. You can always find me in the comments at DetroitBadBoys.com, particularly these podcast posts. We continue to appreciate your support for the podcast, for the website. Uh, yeah, thanks for listening. And, uh, of course, you can follow me on Twitter at Last Chance. That's at L-A-Z-C-H-A-N-C-E. All right, this has been the Detroit Bad Boys Podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and we will talk to you all next week. See ya.